Hey guys, welcome into the Bear With Us podcast. I'm Jack. He is Frank, as always. Uh, we are we got some Bears stuff to talk about today, but uh, we're this is going to be predominantly that type of the year where we do some rankings. We've got all five new head coaches hired, so Frank and I figured this would be a good time to do our coach rankings. Uh, we'll probably wait a little bit to do our quarterback rankings to you know see where certain guys land. Of course, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr. Um, you know, the, the rookie quarterbacks, the free agents, we'll probably wait. But coaches are all, all locked and loaded. You know, we're getting towards draft season, so we'll have a little more focus towards that. Um, and, and speaking of the draft, Frank, it sounds like shocker, shocker of all shocks. Ryan Poles is looking to trade that first overall pick. Can you believe that? Are you shocked? I here's the thing. I would have bet my life that we were drafting Bryce Young in that first spot and trading, um, you know, the worst quarterback in the league to, you know, a, a surprising amount of fans that want him on their team. It, it's it's just, it's phenomenal. In one breath, they talk about how bad he is. Um, but then the next tweet they send out is him Photoshopped in their team's, in their team's <laughs> uniform. Uh, strange times that, that we're living in. Um, but I remember when I told you, just some of those reports that were coming out that were like, oh, They've gotten some offers and it's not the Texans or the Colts. And it's like, no shit, dude. Like, look at the timeline of what has happened. Rumors early of, oh, I don't know now. Like, they may be in love with Bryce Young. They may like CJ Stroud and who knows what they're going to do to it being like, oh, offers have been made. And like that, that sort of um, value is being, you know, made uh, of the pick. And then now, you know, the, uh, what, what, what is the combine where they're all coming together, all, all, all the GMs and, and owners and such? Um, oh, now, miraculously, the, the, the pick is, is on the table here. Like, it's official. It's it's out there for the taking. No shit, dude. Like, this, you couldn't, like, script an NFL uh, timeline, even if, you know, Arian Foster wrote it, to, to yeah. make it better than this. Like, we this was, yeah, I mean, like this was by the books of building value for this pick. Yeah, and Ryan Poles talked about it, about how they're in a really good position. Obviously, there's going to be a couple of teams. I saw the Falcons uh, GM, Terry Fontenot, talking about Desmond Ritter, but he's also like probably going to add. Said he won't rule out using the eighth overall pick. That helps the Bears. Um, the Athletic had a, had a mock draft come out um, where it was Bryce Young to the Colts at number one. Obviously, that means the Colts and Bears traded. Uh, but then you look at their mock draft and you have the Falcons at four. And you see the Bears at number eight. So the Bears would be trading back from four to eight. We've talked about this a ton. This would be, that'd be great. That'd be great. Because especially in that in that um, mock draft, they have four quarterbacks going in the top six. And the Bears end up with the best offensive tackle in the draft, Peter Skaronsky from, from no, uh, Northwestern. So if that happens, that's that's awesome. The more quarterbacks, the more teams that need quarterbacks, the more teams that are willing to take chances on quarterbacks and trade up, the better uh, it is for the Bears. And, Frank, let's not rule out one other thing. And I, I think this needs to be talked about. If Will Anderson and Jalen Carter are these just can't-miss defensive prospects, right, we, we can't just automatically assume that teams will only be trading up for quarterbacks either. Yeah. Teams might be willing to give up a little bit more to go. Like, for example, that that athletic mock draft has the Falcons taking Jalen Carter at number four. So, you know, well, especially it, especially because yeah, the Cardinals are probably going to take a defensive player there yeah, at three. Yeah, they'll 
they'll definitely take one at three. So if they if there's a team that doesn't want to miss out on one of those guys, maybe they pay up to, to, to trade a little bit, get one of those prospects. And, you know, Frank and I are going to talk about this, uh, the value of, of Will Anderson versus Jalen Carter as uh, draft goes on. But we might just talk about the prospect value overall. Same thing we did last year. We, we, <laughs> we ranked uh, we ranked our, our valuation of, of those positions. And uh, obviously Ryan Poles heard that and was like – Fuck you guys. I got it. Don't worry about that. Um, uh, some other kind of news, I, I suppose. The Bears did um, make an interesting hire that had uh, quite a number of people talking, Frank. Um, they hired Luke Steckel, um, the 37-year-old former tight ends coach for the Titans, um, hired to be their, I, I want to say, an assistant offensive line coach, which is interesting. Kind of seems like a, a step back from tight ends coach, but but who knows? Uh, people are calling him the next Ben Johnson uh, of, of the Lions, so maybe a potential guy to replace Luke Gutsy if he gets hired next offseason. What do you think about that, Frank? Yeah, I mean, look, man, we, we talked about this. You, you sort of asked the question last week of like, Hey, Sirianni's guys are gone. Like, will the Eagles be the same? And I, I think this is just how teams are building now. Like, they understand that if they have success, their coordinators are gone. They need someone in the building to immediately be able to step up. Um, I mean, and we saw success doing that, you know, in the last five years with uh, Sean Desai. He, he, he moved his way up through the ranks and I thought was a really good DC for the Bears. It's unfortunate, you know, things happen and we couldn't keep him. But yeah, I, anytime you can keep someone on that's just like, hey, you just sit here for a little bit. You're the assistant to the assistants, tight ends, offensive lines, special teams guy. Just be here for a little while. Just sort of soak it in, study, know what you're doing, and then when that time comes, you may be the dude. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is a very direct, um, what is the right word? Not reaction, but uh, being proactive in in thinking yeah. that we're going to have success next year and Getsy, if we do, we'll be gone. And they hire, and uh, not for nothing, uh, the Titans had uh, the tight end Okonkwo kind of come out of nowhere, that rookie tight end who was really, really good towards the end of the year. So maybe he helps develop Cole Komet a little bit more, you know? Maybe maybe uh, develops the offensive line a little bit more, gets some better blocking yeah. in there. Listen, so, I have know, a feeling. It can't hurt. I have a feeling, Jack, that Cole Komet will not be our tight end one next year. Ooh. Not that he won't be on the roster. Okay. That sounds like kind of like a that sounds like a tease for a future video for a future episode of the podcast. It could be. Okay, well, our listeners will have to stick around to hear when that may come. Uh, the last bit of Bears news uh, that I wanted to bring up before we get into our, our coach rankings was that the uh, Washington Commanders have in fact franchise tagged Ron Payne. Uh, he could make eighteen point nine million dollars if he signs the franchise tender. Um, and is uh, unable to agree to a long-term deal with Washington, he would take, obviously, that that franchise tender. So kind of disappointing, Frank, that uh, they, you know, just another guy off the board. And, you know, again, I, it, it kind of reinforces the 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 idea of, tra- of why the trade for Chase Claypool just makes so much sense. When it comes to the offseason, Frank, and projecting free agents, it's so difficult to just, have your board ready like, okay, this is whose contract is up this year. They'll absolutely be a free agent. You just don't know what teams, you know, how teams value certain guys. And you you take out the risk by just going out and getting, you know, getting a guy. I, I would rather have Chase Claypool at this point than sitting on your hands hoping that, you know, 
Juju Smith-Schuster is available. Like, if I'm being 100% honest, granted, you know, obviously we have a long way to go with Chase Claypool and seeing how that 32nd overall pick ends up playing out, see what value we get back from trading back if, in fact, the Bears do that. But it just kind of reinforces that idea of why you and I were so okay with making that trade when it happened, obviously outside of just the overall player. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think that's why you're just seeing the total landscape of the NFL be more trade happy. Like people, the, the the really good players aren't making it to free agency. It's very rare that an elite player makes it to free agency. It's usually like an aging guy who still has some years left that people, you know, that the team he's leaving isn't doesn't want to give a multi-year deal. Um, or a lot of the times what you'll see as well, and these are the ones that you find like sort of the more foundational pieces are guys who are rotation players that the team had to pay other other people, you know, they're, they're sort of big dogs and they make it to the market and they're projected to get big money because if you sort of scale their production across actual starting level reps, you'd expect them to be close to elite or like really, really good. Um, that's usually more the case than not with the younger free agents. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you, we saw the trade deadline the last couple of years really heat up, just like you mentioned with Trace Claypool, but even like draft day trades, like people are getting things done because they know that people aren't just going to hit the market for free. Uh, to a point yeah. where it wouldn't even shock me if teams were sort of understanding what the market's going to be, what players are potentially going to be free agents, and are shopping them a year or two early because they know they're not going to resign them. I'd rather get my fourth round pick now than just let him walk in a year or two, you know, and get nothing. I agree. The Bears should send a fourth round pick for T. Higgins and just and call it a day. Call it a day with the Cincinnati Bengals. Get what they can get, you know? Yeah. Well, maybe we can send that third or fourth to uh, to, to Washington and get paint. We'll, we'll we'll take on the the multi-year deal. You guys don't worry about that. Yeah, you, you don't don't worry about that. We'll 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 take care of them. We got it. Yeah. We got it for you guys. Uh, but no, that that's sort of the the Bears roundup. Um, you know, obviously combine is is happening soon, so we'll have a little bit more draft information. Uh, in terms of, you know, we listen. Ryan Pace, Ryan Ryan Poles. I shouldn't say Ryan Pace. Exercise that name. Ryan Poles basically said it would be better for them to get something done sooner before free agency starts if possible so that they know sort of what they can target who they need to sign things like that so i saw someone list that the the trade any trade for like the first overall pick usually happens around like april 14th that's the earliest it's happened but like you were kind of saying teams are getting a little more willing to to be a little more flexible with trading and um kind of hope it happens earlier that'd be great but um you know i i think just based off ryan poles and what he's saying i th- i think that is something that we could potentially see uh happen a little bit sooner rather than later so we'll keep an eye on that yeah i am willing to to make a bet i was trying to pull up uh my calendar when it made my uh camera go away there um the new league year is the 15th of march right that's when this yes. officially starts correct the first overall pick will be traded by by March twenty seventh. Two weeks okay. into the new, two, there, there's no shot that that it, it makes it even that long. Um, just just like we both noted, teams are being more aggressive, but I also think with that comes a lot more transparency amongst GMs amongst each other as to what their plans are. Like I don't think we've ever been more clear in the NFL as to who's rebuilding, who isn't. Who can help who? Who has rapport with who based on past dealings and, and you know what tree you came from? Things are going to continue to get done earlier and earlier. Um, I don't think we're to the point where like they'd agree upon something before the new 
league year unless like Jim Mercer just is off some immaculate cocaine, you know, and just throws the fucking book at him. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be gone in March, I think. Okay. Well, you heard it here first on the Bear With Us podcast from from your host, Frank Neris. We'll see if your rank is right. I, I, I tend to agree. It might even be gone a little bit earlier than that. It could be. Yeah, I, I was a little be. lenient. When I, I was going to say the next week. I was going to say the 22nd. Oh, you want to give yourself a little buffer. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want to be a little coward. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and get into our coach rankings here, Frank. Um, we'll kind of do what we normally do. We'll start at the bottom and then sort of work our way to the top. Um, so we'll, what we always do uh, is we start with the new hires, the new, the new. Um, yeah, I guess can't call them rookie head coaches because there's two of them that aren't. Um, but they're, you know, no way to really rank them amongst their current peers. I mean, I guess. I guess maybe you could that, a couple see, of them. That's what I was going to ask you. Did you, I have Sean Payton and Frank Reich in my rankings. Cause to me, mm. like I sort of know what they bring okay. to the table. Um, the three I did not were Shane Steichen, D'Amico Ryans and Jonathan Gannon. Those three, I just, I can't rank. I have, I have no idea. So I kept them uh, in, in their own separate pool um, just because I don't have enough information about sort of how they'll go. They're going to react with their new teams. I think there are quite a number of differences. Frank Reich in Carolina, I think is going to be very different than what Frank Reich was in Indianapolis, just based off what he had to work with. Obviously we've never seen Sean Payton work with a quarterback. Well, that I, I guess that's not necessarily true, but we haven't seen Sean Payton work with a quarterback, not named Drew Brees in quite some time. Um, new conference, New division, like it's just it's there's a lot of new, so I I didn't even really put that together. Um, and again, I think I, I rank them going into this year. So, um, you know, I'll just give you my quick one through five, and then we'll get to the the overall rankings. Over, so from there, so I'd Sean Payton number one, Denver. I just think he's gonna by far he's just set up to have a lot of success if everything pans out. You know, how much of an upgrade is he versus Nathaniel Hackett? We'll really see. Can he fix Russell Wilson? Those are obviously the big questions. Um, Shane Steichen, I had him at number two in, in Indianapolis. Uh, that, that roster is just not as bad as people think it is. Um, they just didn't have the quarterback situation figured out, but there's a lot to like about uh, that team. You know, obviously you have Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, uh, Alec Pierce, who you and I both really, really like. They have uh, a good tight end room as well. Uh, and then they have some good defensive talent. We'll see if some of that gets moved, but um, I think he's just set up to have a lot of success, especially if he gets the quarterback he wants. Uh, number three is Frank Reich in Carolina. Um, I couldn't put him lower than the other two. Um, I, I, th I still think he's a good coach. I still think he's a really good offensive coach. Things just didn't work out last year with the quarterback he had, um, but I couldn't put him higher because Carolina is just sort of a mess right now. They're just, they're, and that roster is, it needs a lot of help. Um, D'Amico Ryans and Jonathan Gannon come in at four and five. Frank, I'm just not a fan of defensive coaches. Like the coaches that get hired from having just like the number one defense and the number two defense and, you know, this and that. And then the next year they get head coaching jobs because it's just not going to translate that easily. We saw that with Matt Eberflus this year. You can offensively, you can scheme things to work for you to to score points, but unless you have the def the same defensive talent that you had at your previous job, 
But Houston doesn't have Fred Warner. You know, they don't have Nick Bosa. Same thing with the Atlanta defense, or the Arizona defense, I should say. They, they don't have a whole lot going on there either compared to what the Philly, or what, what the Eagles had. So it's kind of why I ranked them four and five. I think that's fair. I, I I didn't rank them, but mine would have probably been very similar. Um, I I don't. My philosophy starting to shift just a little bit. Um, when it comes to defensive guys, I think two years ago I would have verbatim said what you said, but I am starting to to shift and thinking like being a head coach is more about setting the culture, being that CEO. And you look at you know either offensive or defensive or across the league outside of the who I deem like super elite, which. No spoiler, like Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, those guys who like all, are also scheming on offense. Even if you took that away from them, I think they've just built such great cultures there and have a hand in sort of everything that goes on. You know what I mean? And I, I, I'm almost, this may be a hot take. I think defensive coaches are set up to be better culture guys than offensive coaches because I think that's like, you can do things schematically on defense, absolutely, but at the end of the day, you still have this sort of like, here's my base defense, here's what I can do off of that, here's, you know, I'll decide to blitz here and there. There's not as much as you can do on offense um, to a point where it's like you do have to build a really good, like what you noted before, like just you have to be able to build talent and know how to coach that talent. And like, you're, you're really like, um, you're teaching them how to react versus like, here's the route you're going to run to make this guy get open. It, it's it's not that on defense, but I think it is more culture setting than anything else. Um that's, I, I think I would have had D'Amico Ryans probably after Sean Payton, to be, on, to be honest with you, if I ranked them. Other than that, it would have, yeah. been, it would have been pretty similar. But I'm, I'm really yeah. high on him for that. I, I think we're going to have quite a number of differences here just based off of Dude. how we interpreted this. Because yes. just, 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 you know, you, you, may, you may put more emphasis on the culture side versus yep. uh, where I put more emphasis on, on schemes and you know, point score and just anything, you know, we may have our own differences, situation based, right? There are a couple of coaches I have lower on the list because they're just in terrible situations. There's just nothing they can really do. Um, and, and, and sort of, you know, spoilers, our, our, our head coach is, is a little bit lower on that list for that very reason, just because again, so full disclosure going into this list, just because I know people are going to get mad at us and, and yell about, you know, this coach and that coach, especially certain, you know, all-time great coach and, and sort of where he landed on my rankings. Frank and I did this list based off of head coaches going into this season. Granted, some some previous years will play into that factor. We're not just going to eliminate and pretend that, you know, we're not just going off last year or we're not just going off this year, but it's not going to be, you know, an overall like, oh, obviously Bill Belichick's at the top of the list. He has six Super Bowl rings or seven Super Bowl, you know, whatever it is. He, it, it's just not going to happen. Um, so we did it based off of going into 2023. Here are our head coaching ranks. So, uh, Frank, let's go from 21 to 27. 21 to 27. So I know that you might be a little bit different, but 21 to the lowest person. Yeah, I was just, I was just gonna say because I have 29 because I, I I put Peyton yeah. and Reich in uh yeah. so we'll, in so my we'll ranking. Go 20, we'll go 21 to 29. We'll start. Uh, where, where do you want to start? You want to start bottom to top? You want to start we'll go, top to bottom? We'll go bottom to top. Let me okay. l- let me give my bottom two, yeah. 28, 29, and twenty eight, um, and then we can sort of dive in. So my bottom two, 29 to me the worst coach in the league. Maybe, maybe that's harsh to say it that way. Worst ranked coach 
uh, was Dennis Allen. I just Same. okay, Same. and and a lot of it has to do with if he had a bunch of talent around him, I don't think he would like prevent his team from having success. He just doesn't do anything like schematically, or I don't even think like culture wise. That's like this guy, you know, commands this team. They're fighting for him. It, he's just he, a guy. He's yeah, exactly. Um, Twenty eight for me was Ron Rivera. Um, Ooh, okay. And it's I think well, it's just I, I think he's just played like it's he's had the same exact year since his last couple years in, in Carolina. Yeah. They start off 0-7, they go on a six-game winning streak, and you're like, holy shit, Riverboat Ron is the man, and then they lose they lose out, and then here they are again. Being, you know, seven wins, and it's like, what, why are... For last year, my point was, I, I understood why they didn't get rid of him, because he was sort of setting that culture. Ownership is on its way out. They got a new name. He's like there to almost be more than just the coach in that moment. That moment's going to have to come where you, you let him go, because like, what exactly does he bring to the table at this point to Washington. Those are my those are my bottom two. Now do we do you want to go 27 to what did you say 21? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go 27 to 21. That's that's fine. We can go from there. That works. Um you obviously already listed my my lowest coach at, at 27 being Dennis Allen. I agree with everything you said. He's just he's just a guy. And honestly, like you and I were kind of just talking about this um a little bit earlier, but this might be one of the, the the lists where it's like you can at least look at some of like most of these guys and be like figure out how they impact the team in some sort of way. This might be the least amount of just a guy that I, that I've seen in quite some time. So Dennis Allen for him to 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 make that that tier of just a guy, I think that says a lot. Who's uh who is your twenty seven? My twenty seven uh is Josh McDaniels. Um. We're on the same page here. Okay. I, and honestly, it, I, I don't. I think he's a hell of a coordinator. I, I think if you just talk about play calling, he would he would be in my top five probably. Um, yeah, maybe top ten for sure. Um, but how can you not be disappointed going into that year with with Las Vegas, with all the talent they had on offense? And granted, they still had some good offensive games, but it's like for them to 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 be that. I mean, I, I went in thinking they had a shot at you know really giving the Chiefs a run for their money because they'd play the Chiefs so well without an elite play caller. They get one. A guy who I believed, you know, when he said in his press conference, look, first go around, I was an asshole. Like, I didn't realize how how important it was to, like, build relationships and, like, get to know people as people. And it didn't seem like he lost the locker room or anything like that. But, like, I really, I'm sort of saying all that to say, like, I really bought into him being there. And it just didn't happen. So he was 27 for me. Yeah, he's he's 26 for me. Um, so I, I have Ron for just I have Ron Rafair a little bit higher. Uh, that it, it just kind of added up on, on sort of where I thought that team could go. Um, and I might flip some things around if I'm being honest with you. Actually, I'm going to do that right now while we're talking here. Uh, kind of just bump a couple guys up. So um, yeah, Josh McDaniels, uh, 26 for me. Uh, I mean, he's just proven nothing. He's proving nothing to me as a head coach. He completely shunned a, a, a fan favorite in, in Derek Carr. People really like Derek Carr in, in Las Vegas. And I know their you know frustrations obviously came up with with you know how he played at times, but it just to me it didn't make full use of his skill set. It, it it sort of just it just wasn't the right fit. Um, you know how Hunter Renfro his production just completely knows that it looked like the offense was basically all Devonte Adams 
and, and Josh Jacobs. And that was sort of it. And and they just didn't respond. They had some really ugly losses. And I just don't I just don't see how Josh McDaniels is like the future of the team. Like he didn't do anything this year and he already had some really good offensive talent. Now they're a year older. They just lost their quarterback. Like they, what are they going to do at, at quarterback? They're going to have to trade up to get a rookie. You know, are they going to, you know, sign Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, you know, we talked about last week. Um, there's just a lot of question marks with Josh McDaniels. And again, he's just so unproven. Like yep. there's just not a whole lot there. Um, 25 for me, Frank was Arthur Smith. Um, I just, he just didn't handle the whole Marcus Mariota thing very well. Like he was like, it, they, he was like acting like they were still in it with Mariota and with, he just would refuse to give the ball to Kyle Pitts and, and Drake London. He was like, we're just going to run the ball. And it's like, well, why did you draft these, these two receivers? Like, what is, I don't understand. It went on, you know, they played a lot better towards the end of the year, but still, I mean, there's just, again, there's not, not a whole lot of body of work that makes me believe in Arthur Smith. Who's uh, who's 25 for you? Um, I didn't give my 26. because um, hmm. That's fine. I can give my 26 and 25 because that won't be too long. 26 to me was Todd Bowles. Um, I, I, again, how can you not be disappointed? It, I, it's, I also, I'm sort of mashed up because whatever happened between Tom and Bruce Arians is still so fucking weird to me because I still think they're a great match. I, I don't know where that would run. They won a Super Bowl together. And then for Tom, this is the reports, and I'm taking these to be true. Who knows what's sure or not until they actually say something. But he soured on Bruce pretty quick is what it sounded like. And I legitimately have no idea why. In comes Todd Bowles, which I, I think in a different scenario he may be better, but like the team got worse, like objectively worse under Todd Bowles immediately after Bruce Arians left. Um, and I just didn't think he brought much to the table for that team. I, I get why they did it, though. You you don't you don't want someone new. You want someone in there sort of run it right back. I, I, I get why, but I, I just didn't think the success um, was there. 25 for me um, is Kevin Stefanski. Uh, I have been wildly disappointed in him since really like the last four games of that season where they beat uh, the Steelers in the playoffs. It's just something just seemed off. Like he started to outthink himself. Maybe he was trying to coach around uh, Baker. But then Baker leaves, and I'm like, okay, maybe it's a little bit more of a fresh start, and really nothing looked different there. Even when Deshaun comes in, and, and you know, the first couple of games maybe you can chalk up to uh, you know rust or, or whatever, but it looked even worse with a much more talented quarterback. Like, you can't tell me that he wasn't sitting in, like, going over plays and, like, working with Deshaun even while he was suspended. Um, yeah, he, he's 25 for me. And everyone for me, 25 to 29, that's my hot seat list. I think those are the guys going into the year that have a chance to get fired mid-year or once the season's over with. 20, uh, 24, and I'll just I'll say right now, is, is, is Todd Bowles. I, I thought the same exact thing. I mean, even... You know, I, I know I talked about going into next year. I mean, you just strictly look at it from that perspective. <laughs> I mean, this team is going to be bad next year. They're going to be really, really bad, regardless of what they do at quarterback. Um, like, I, I don't even know what they can do at quarterback to really get this thing, to get this thing right. We talked about it last week. I, I think they're a perfect trade partner at some, to get Mike Evans, to get Chris Godwin for any team. 
I, I would hope for the Bears, but you know, they're they're gonna have pieces selling off. And and you just look at Todd Bowles, like this is his second go around. He's 34 and 50. Like just career. He he his two accomplishments are one playoff berth and one NFC South championship. When did that happen? Oh yeah, last year when they went eight and nine in the worst division in football. Like he, he, he just he, I, you get nothing from him. Like I, I I just the defense was good, but that offense should have been way better, way better. And they scapegoated Byron Leftwich because um, for for whatever reason um, and. I just don't see how that team is going to be any any sort of good next year. Agreed. Um, my tw- we're twenty four now, right? Yep, twenty four. My twenty four is Matt Eberflus, uh, Chicago Bears coach. Um, I had a hard time putting him above guys because I don't think he's on the hot seat. That's why I differentiated him between you know those other dudes. Um, I mean, worst record in the league. It, it, it's hard to get beyond that, and if you sort of try to isolate times where you thought Matt Eberflus could have done more to help the Bears win. Granted, as fans, it came to a point of the year where we did not want to win, so it wasn't the worst of things. But it's things that you brought up, it's things that I brought up throughout the year where it's like, what is going to happen when it is time to turn it on? It's time to be aggressive. It's time to actually go for wins. Is that there? And because that's unproven, it was very hard for me to put him above really anyone above him. Even as I'm looking at guys in... You know, this I'm not really going order, but even someone like Robert Sala. I know people may be down on him, but he built a really fucking good defense over the scope of the last couple of years. You know what I mean? Like, how can I put someone like Matt? Granted, it's one year, but I haven't seen him add value to anything just yet. Um, so that's why he's 24 for me. Yeah, 23 for me as as Matt Eberflus. I swear we're gonna d- diverge at some point here, but uh, yeah, <laughs> you know it's hard to argue the bottom of the barrel, and and I just don't see how you put Eberflus ahead of. Uh, I mean, you could probably even argue that that there are some guys on this list that he's ahead of currently that he could be behind, and I really wouldn't have an argument against it. I just think based off of the things that we get to see, you know, week in and week out, watching every single Bears game, um, where I put Matt Eberflus, and like. I just think of the way guys sort of bought in and, and the, the one that I really look at is Eddie Jackson and Eddie Jackson. I mean, he talked about how much he loved Matt Eberflus. Um, I still think that Matt Eberflus can be the right fit for this team. Um, you just look at the coaching staff he put together with, you know, Luke Getze and how he built that relationship with Justin Fields. Um, I, I really do think that this is going to be a good fit. Um, but I, you just can't make an argument for him being any higher than this. And just based off of your, he won three games, you know, he got the first overall pick job. Well done. Good job. How's that going to look next year when there is talent to work with? Cause you know, depending on what they do, draft free agency, you know, excuses aren't necessarily going to be there next year. So yeah, I, I think that's a good spot for, for you. Who'd you have at 23? 23 for me. And this is one that, you did not rank was uh, Frank Reich. Um, I could have rated him higher, to be honest, but it was tough for me, especially on the outside looking in, to sort of separate the messiness of ownership in front office and quarterback and Frank Reich. Part of me was like, you know, the Carson Wentz stuff when it went down. Maybe I graded too harshly on him because the sentiment was like, well, only Frank Reich can fix him. And the fact that it didn't happen, it's probably more on Carson Wentz, because we've sort of seen who he is now with, with multiple teams at this point. Um, but it's still hard for me to shake just everything that, you know, 
that went on. So it's like, maybe it wasn't all on him, but some 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 blood spilt and it is on him and I can't tell if it's his or someone else's. You know what I mean? Uh, so Frank yeah. Wright was 23 for me. He's one of the ones, and actually like really anywhere from him up to like 20 was really tough for me because I could have rated any of these guys higher, but, but Frank Reich was 23 for me. Uh, 22 uh, for me is uh, Ron Rivera. I, I I moved him down a little bit just now. So I'm going to, I'm going to put him at 22 for a lot of the reasons you said. Um, I'm curious. I'm very, very curious to see how Eric the enemy does as basically the, the offensive guy. Cause that's the, it's been the questions all along with him is, you know, is he, does how much credit does he deserve under Andy Reid's offense? Andy Reid will tell you he deserves all the credit. A lot of other people outside of the Chiefs will be like, eh, I, don't, I don't really know. Obviously, he hasn't been hired as a head coach. So this is his best opportunity to get hired as a head coach. Um, we'll see exactly what that leads to um, offensively. But this could be the biggest shakeup that Ron Rivera has, you know, depending on how good Eric Bieniemy can be, if that offense can just be a league average you know who knows with this defense because I, th- I still think Ron is a good coach uh, but again I think kind of what you were saying I think he's starting to lean a little more towards just a guy Jeff Fisher territory who yeah. somehow had been to a Super Bowl like you know <laughs> kind of like that kind of ranking but for now I think 22 is a good spot for him uh 22 for me was Arthur Smith I agree with a lot of your sentiments um Sounds like I'm a tad bit higher on him than you at this point. I think, um, I know it's sour with Mariota, but the first half of the season or six, seven games a season, that offense looked like something. I, I And, you know, our Arthur Smith was uh, putting together some good game plans. I think, you know, Marcus Mariota's limitations is what really started to hold that offense back. Where I start to negatively mark Arthur Smith is... Why didn't you bring in Desmond Ritter earlier? Chalk the season. That sounds like that's where where you were with it as well. Where like, had he done that and maybe they lose two more games, he may even be higher on my list if I saw more development from Ritter because Ritter wound up having a good game or two towards the end. And that to me is the the mark of Arthur Smith, letting him get out there and sort of, you know, game planning with him and continuing to develop him. So Arthur Smith was 22 for me. He He's one though. If they get a quarterback, there's a lot of rumors going on. Going into next year, he may jump because I still believe in what he is as a play caller. I think he's a really good offensive philosophy guy. Um, so let's see what they do, you know, this offseason. If they do get Lamar Jackson, like all the rumors are are sort of leaning towards, I mean, that's got to boost, like, Drake London and Kyle Pitts' stock, right? Because, again, I know people are going to freak out about Lamar because they're going to want him to be running the ball. and or People will think that's what Atlanta really wants to do, which is – that is what they they do. But Lamar is still a much better passer, like you were saying last week, than a lot of people give him credit for. So I, I think that would be a good fit, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I think that only helped Arthur Smith as well. Uh, 21, I had Robert Sala. Um, Frank, you, 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 have been, you have been a bigger a bigger Robert Sala fan than I have been, um, sort of from day one. Uh, I, I just... I, I I could almost rank him lower if I'm being honest with you. I, I could probably go a little bit lower with him. He just I don't know. Like it's I know it's the Jets, but I, I don't really like the way he handled the Zach Wilson situation. Um I I just he just doesn't give me a whole, a whole lot. Like yes, the defense played well, but 
it, it always feels like the Jets are just like they're either doing something really well and then something horribly, or it's reversed. Like they're doing something else really horribly and something really well. Like I, I don't know. I just I'm not a big Robert Sala fan. I, I would honestly put him closer towards the hot seat uh, at, at this point because I mean they're going to go through another quarterback with him. I, it's interesting to me. Listen, I was going to tell you to stop disrespecting my boy. But I also have Robert Salah at number 21. <laughs> um, I swear we're going to diverge at some point, right? We yeah. Have, I swear but, I mean, Frank and I did not talk about this before. We did. This is, this is going in blind, so. It, 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 is, it is absolutely going in blind. But um, I... The Zach Wilson stuff didn't measure in as much. I, that felt to me like ownership twisting his arm. I don't think he wanted to start to go back and forth that way. Just the way he talked about Mike White the year before that, it was clear to me he was never sold on Zach Wilson to a point where I don't know how much input he actually had. And that's not uncommon, unfortunately, in the NFL, where the GM has more say, the owner has more say, or just whoever. They're technically the boss of the head coach. Like <laughs> it, is, it is what it is. Um, but again, he'd be much higher on that list if they had just an average offense. Because I think he's built... I mean, look at those rookies that he's clearly had a hand in, if not drafting, at least developing, but I think in both, that defense they got is nice. And, yeah. and again, he, he I think the reason why I'm higher on him than you are, he was the first guy for me that I started to feel that shift in, in my philosophy of like, I think I like culture guys on the outset. Things It's not, it's not like every single time, but like generally sure. speaking, um, over, you know, schematic Guys, and I could have also been scorned by Matt Nagy and and um, uh, Mark Tressman and things, but I think culture is always going to get you closer to winning than just a guy who's just a good coordinator. Uh, and that's what I think Robert Sala is. Well, I also think he's a very good defensive coordinator as well. Um, but th that culture that he's brought there, I mean, look at the way the young guys talk about him: Sauce Gardner, Derek Wilson, like the, you know, they they Brees Hall, they they speak. They, they like him. He, I think he really connects with that locker room. Um, they just need to figure it out at quarterback, man. And that's unfortunately the hardest thing to do in the NFL. 20, number 20. Uh, number 20 is Brandon Staley. Um, I, I got to be honest. I, if I could put him in the uh, hot, hot seat category, I would. Uh, but I still think he's a better coach than a lot of these guys on this list. Brandon Staley has won. Uh, in Los Angeles, granted, not not a lot, not any you know meaningful games, of course. Um, but I don't know. I I still like him as a coach. Um, it just feels like they just they just can't get they just can't catch a break with just some of the the injuries that they've had. Like it's 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 absolutely insane how many injuries they deal with. Um, but he also makes some really bad decisions, like playing Mike Williams at the end of the season when it, in a game that just doesn't matter. Like him, he, he's kind of in the same territory as me as Ron Rivera, where it's like, you know, he, he obviously hired um, uh, Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator. So that could either really help him or he just hired his replacement, essentially, depending on how the season goes. But um I'm kind of surprised the Chargers didn't move on from Brandon Staley. Um, obviously, they went the scapegoat the scapegoat route as well. Um, but I, I still think he's a, he can be a good coach. I just you know injuries have kind of really really hurt 
sort of that progression. I agree with everything you said about Brandon Staley, but my number 20 uh, is Mike McDaniel. Um, Ooh, okay. This might I, uh, be your biggest difference then. This might be your biggest Oh, so you difference. have it much higher. I mean, for me, dude, it's hard for me to see, and I, it, let, let me preface and say, his personality grew on me so fast. I love him as a person. I have seen, we have seen, every NFL fan has seen the offensive genius come in, tear it up for half a year, and then fall off a cliff because NFL defenses have figured them out. I know a lot happened with the Dolphins last year, but that's what it felt like to me. I know the quarter, I know Tua, whether you want to talk about his limitations with his arm talent or the the concussions, the injuries, I get it. But that's what it felt like to me overall the, the grand scope of the season. It felt like a, a guy who came in who had clear direction that NFL defensive coordinators figured out in the offense, stopped being as explosive, stopped being as good. You can't sit here and tell me, any Dolphins fan, any, any NFL fan, regardless of who the head coach was, that that year, that last year was a success, moving off of Brian Flores to getting someone who was supposed to catapult this offense, getting Tyreek Hill, getting that running back room to where they had it, getting a guy who was supposed to bring everything out of Tua, and Tua, by all measures, had a solid season. But that receiver room, Mike Kosicki, I'm higher on than maybe others are. I know he's hitting the market, which is usually not the greatest sign of what the team thinks of you, but that 9-8 and eight can't be... Well, it was 9-8, and eight, I believe, their, their nine record. 9-8 and, and eight cannot be a success going into all that. That's crazy. If maybe they don't get Tyreek Hill, if maybe they don't make the trade for... The, the pass rusher, who, why am I blanking on mid-year? Bradley, um, Bradley Chubb. I mean, come on, dude. Not, nine and eight is not acceptable uh, at any level in my, in my mind with all those factors in. Again, if those trades don't happen and you're sort of building things, and you're like, oh yeah, this guy really had, maybe I feel differently. They put all their chips in. They, they, they made these moves for a Super Bowl in the next two years. And based on last year, they're not close to that for me. That's why I have Mike, Daniel, uh, Mike McDaniels at 20. Okay. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit higher, a little bit higher than uh, where you had him. So that's uh, off to a good start. All right. Uh, 19 for me is Kevin Stefanski um, for a lot of the reasons that you said. I still put him a little bit higher because it, he he was, you know, he was coach of the year at one point. Like I, I still believe he can be a good head coach. Um, I do wonder how much you know, the Deshaun Watson Rust stuff really played into it. I do like that he had Jacoby Brissett playing pretty well like while he was playing um you know that the Amari Cooper trade I thought that was going to be a disaster like I, I just didn't see Amari Cooper fitting into that offense but he was one of the ones who got the most out of Amari Cooper and and made it sort of like a week-to-week thing as opposed to because any fantasy owner of Amari Cooper will know it's you know one week of 40 points and then two weeks of two you know and but it was a little bit more consistent and uh, a, a little bit better than what he was doing with Odell Beckham, like when the, he was supposed to supposed to be the number one, he really sort of adjusted to what he had to work with in that offense. And, um, you know, I mean, he still has good players to work with. Uh, Nick Chubb, obviously a really good running back. Um, I, I do think that given a full off season, Deshaun Watson, well, they should hope that he's going to be better after that season, but I, I can't put him any higher, but um, just based off of sort of how, disappointing the last couple of years have been uh with Kevin Stefanski but 
I, I would still put him a little bit higher uh, than where you had him. Uh, who is 19 for you? 19 for me, um, you sort of said everything that I wanted to say about him is Brandon Staley. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they made the playoffs maybe put him a little bit higher. Um, you know, they started to figure things out in close game situations, which honestly, sometimes you can really just chalk up to, to luck at the elite level with, you know, one score games and such, but they won more than they didn't, um, especially compared to years past in those situations. Um, so I, I, I bumped him up a tad bit than where I thought I would have. Um, but again, I, I feel the same way as you, like, would it surprise me if they get off to a slow start, if they're three and seven, two and six, if he gets fired? No, it wouldn't. I, Cause I don't think he brings much to the table that like differentiates, you know, or, or, or uh, you know, gives that team a, a, a outside of just pure talent, like a schematic advantage over other teams from week to week. 18 for me is uh, Mike McCarthy of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, it's kind of one of those guys where you can't put him at the bottom, but you obviously can't put him at the top. So you got to put him somewhere in the middle. It just kind of ended up being uh, right at, right at 18. Um, I mean, we, we kind of said, all we need to really say about Mike McCarthy it, it, previously, like he's he's a guy that can get you into the playoffs, but he's not really a guy you can ultimately win with. Like the amount of talent that the Dallas Cowboys had, that that shouldn't have been the way their season ended. It it, it just shouldn't be, and it, it should be unacceptable. But you know, Jerry Jones once he locks into a guy and and really believes in a guy, Jason Garrett being a great example, he's going to be sticking around for a little bit. Um, I, I just don't know how the, how the Dallas Cowboys get any better this season. I, I really, I don't, I don't see, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. So still Mike McCarthy a little bit lower, but can't put him at the bottom. So we're not far off with, uh, with McCarthy 18 for me was Kevin O'Connell. Um, again, maybe this was me projecting what I thought the Vikings could have and should have been, but I have a friend who's a Vikings fan. And I, I, before the season, I just straight up told him, if you all don't win this division, this is a failure. This is the weakest the division has been. You will have the most talent. Like there, there's no way that you lose this. So, so to me, winning the division wasn't like a, Oh my God, the Vikings are great. Cause they won the division. They did what they were supposed to do there. They were clearly the most talented team in the NFC North. Um, but then you sort of zoom out of that sort of uh, taking away the factors of the other teams within the division and comparing them to, to, you know, comparing the Vikings to them. They didn't look very much different to me than they had in years past. It was the same old, same old. It's sort of the Kirk Cousins experience. And maybe that's not all on Kevin O'Connell, but that is what you're working with. And the fact that it didn't look any different to me, uh, you know, than any other Kirk Cousins season, whether it be in Washington or um, in Minnesota, it just felt like status quo. Uh, And then to, to, End the year losing to to the Giants. I mean, man, that's that's brutal. Especially maybe if for someone who waited winning the division a little bit higher, I can see catapulting him up higher than that. But how do you like deal with the contrast of losing to to the Giants in the playoffs? You know what I mean. So that that was my mindset. That's why I have Kevin O'Connell at eighteen. Uh People are going to be mad at me, specifically Packers fans, for who I'm about to list above this man, because I still got some names to get to. But uh, 17 for me is is Matt Lafleur. Like I I I I I, I, I I'm happily able to admit I was absolutely correct about this guy. 
in their fraudulent 13 and three season where everybody, everybody, including Packers fans knew like this, this team wasn't the, it just wasn't that good of a team. Everything you just said about Kevin O'Connell can be attributed to Matt LaFleur. What, what is he, what has he done? What does he do for this team? Like, seriously, they, this team has accomplished nothing under him. And he is basically just riding the coattails of Aaron Rodgers. And and when Aaron Rodgers isn't an MVP candidate, what is this team? They're they're average. They're just another team that didn't make the playoffs. Like I'm sorry, it's it's one of those. It's like Jim Caldwell and the Colts for me. He got a lot of credit for for Jim for for how they played and getting to the Super Bowl and things like that. Matt Lafleur didn't even get to a Super Bowl. All right, let's let's pump the brakes there, but. Jim Caldwell got a lot of credit for being a good head coach, and then he didn't have Peyton Manning, and, and, that, and that whole thing didn't work work out all too well. So I just – everything you said about Kevin O'Connell can be attributed to Matt LaFleur. He just – I don't really see what value he adds to the team. What do they do well outside of having Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers is throwing a temper tantrum, and he tells you who's in charge of that team. Kevin O'Connell doesn't – or uh, excuse me, Matt LaFleur doesn't step in at any point and get that thing back on track. The defense was really bad this year, and they they just didn't make the adjustments needed. So, yeah, I, I absolutely happily rank Matt LaFleur at 17. That's fair, and and I'll get to him here shortly. But 17 for me was Mike McCarthy. I don't have a deep dive. I feel the exact same way that you do. The, spot. <laughs> um, the, one, the one sort of, I don't even want to call it a rebuttal, um, but to the, the Jerry Jones thing, I know he gets a lot of flack for things, but I do respect that mindset of I'm going to give this regime sure. five years, seven years. Because realistically, like this whole flash in the pan, we need to win in a year or two. That doesn't get teams anywhere. Sure. I mean, look at the Texans that they're fucking rolling through. D'Amico Ryan's going to get fired in two years. Like that's an insanity to not allow. And even if it winds up failing, at least you gave someone a fair shot. You get multiple drafts. You get multiple shots at free agency. You get a chance to actually develop the people you brought in for years at a time. Then we get a full evaluation and move on from you. Um, but I'm right there with you. He's sort of like, it's hard to put him very low because he's still, he's he's a good head coach, but he's not one that like puts you over the top. He's like the, uh, right. I always use that example of like, you know, Ricky Renteria with the Cubs. Like you develop, you help do this, but when it was time to really win it, we needed an elite coach to, to get it done. And I, that's sort of how I view Mike McCarthy. Like a, I, a, a, a I, rich man's, a, a rich man's Jeff Fisher. I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, and in terms of continuity, and that's what every team should strive to have, right? You shouldn't just churn out head coaches just to, just to make change. Like, I, I agree with you there. But on the flip side, like, you know, if if Mark Trestman was the Cowboys head coach, like, or, you know, at some point you just know, right? At some point you oh, just yeah. know that the time, is, it just it isn't the right fit. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at with Mike McCarthy. Like they just keep rolling, and that's what they were doing with Jason Garrett. It's it's what the Giants were doing with Tom Coughlin. Like he, yes, Tom Coughlin absolutely deserved to to kind of go out on on you know his own. But they, the Giants knew that it was the time was up, right? So I, I get what you're saying. I, I agree with you. You know, continuity should always be what you look for. Sometimes it's just you got to make the yeah. change to to sort of put your team over the top. And I, I mean, shit, man, they should have been all in on Sean Payton. I'm surprised that they weren't. I'm surprised they weren't. I am too. If I'm being honest with you, I am too. I mean, maybe it was more of a Sean Payton thing than it was a Cowboys thing. Maybe, maybe, but 
seems like a division you'd want to beat in, compared to the AFC West, but that's just me. Um, 16 for me is Kevin O'Connell. Uh, for a lot of the reasons you said, I didn't want to put him too high, but I also think there's a level of respect to winning 13 games in your first season. Um, a name you brought up uh, in Mike McDaniel, like when you were talking about him, Kevin O'Connell kind of feels like the Matt Nagy to me. I would not be surprised if the Vikings only win eight or nine games next year as opposed to 13. Because I do think teams sort of figured them out towards the end of the season. You saw the Packers absolutely dominated them and then how the Giants were able to figure them out pretty quickly too. So um, didn't want to put him super high, but I do think a rookie head coach winning 13 games isn't something you just sneeze at, especially when you don't have an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes. Like he didn't just win 13 games because of the talent on his team. Um, I think he made the most out of his talent. And again, when your quarterback is Kirk Cousins, you're going to have limitations in terms of how far your team can go. So um, I do give him credit for that, but not not a ton, not not too much. That's fair. Uh, 16 for me, and I, I hated putting him here because I, I like him much more than this, but it's hard for me to differentiate outside looking in again, sort of the situation and the way I feel about the team and and maybe he sort of wrote his course, you know, like that that the, the thing is over. But 16 for me is Mike, Vrab- uh, Mike Vrabel. Um, and it's someone that last year I probably had him in the top eight. Um, but again, I, I just think that whole, you know, that whole train is just at, at the last stop, man. Um, to a point where I think if they fire him after this year, wherever he goes is going to be set up for success. I just think Tennessee that, you know, it's over there. Um, I don't know if they're, Oh, you know what? But it may also be not a next stop. It may just be like a year or two of rebuilding, and he's just sort of there for the long haul. I know you've that's sort of been your stance on him. But as it stands right now, it was hard for me to get him any higher than that. Even though like there's guys above him that I think I like him better as a as a coach, if that makes sense. But I was sort of waiting things, you know. Yeah. All things considered. Yeah, uh, uh, 15, 15 for me, and, and uh, I have Mike Rib a little bit higher, but not not considerably, and, and definitely not over any names we've touched on or uh, we haven't touched on yet. But uh, Dan Campbell, I had at fifteen, and I, like I said, I know this is my Packers fans are gonna get pissed at me. How can you have Dan Campbell? Look at his win percentage. Look at you know how can you have him over over Kevin O'Connell? Um, Dan Campbell. I, I, I fully admit I was I was completely wrong uh, on the Dan Campbell train. I had him getting fired midseason. <laughs> I, I had it all happening to, to, to your guy, um, and, and I was wrong. Uh, I, I was very impressed by the season that Dan Campbell had. Again, I know being realistic about sort of how their season ended, they obviously didn't make the playoffs, so you can't go too high uh, on, on the Dan Campbell train. He's also, you know, career seven, seven, uh, or with the Lions, I should say, 12, 21, and one. Not exactly great, but I, I just don't see how you, you look at that Lions season last year and not come away impressed. They, they don't, they're so talent depleted. They still have some high draft picks to replace some of that talent. They drafted really, really well. Um, Aiden Hutchinson already looks like he's going to be a really good pass rusher in this league. Um, I, I'm taking a look at my list last year. I had him at 24, so so quite the jump for for Mr. Campbell. Um, and I thought I think that offense was was underrated throughout the year, and I don't think people gave them enough credit. They're only going to get better as they add. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I just I, I really like the job Dan Campbell did. I think he's set up for it. He, he could prove me completely right. And being bad this year, you know, expectations are obviously going to be a little bit higher or it could prove me completely wrong and, and just continue to ascend as a head coach. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll get to Danny. 15 for me. And again, not really a deep dive because I agree with most of what you said was Matt LaFleur. Um, I had him sort of smack dab in the middle for me because of the reason that you that you made. Like, I, I don't exactly know what all he brings to the table because that whole ship seems to sink or or rise with the level of play that Aaron Rodgers is at. Um, but the one thing that I do attribute him for is just balancing that attack out. Because um, when they first hired him, that was sort of the plan of attack for him, was like, we don't want necessarily Aaron throwing 50 times every single game. And I do really like what he's done with that running back room. I do. I, I think he, you know, there's certain games where it's like nothing but power O. Uh, going back to when Jamal Williams was there, and then now they have uh, AJ Dillon and, and um, Aaron Jones. Like, I think he provides some steadiness to it. But because all your chips are in on Aaron Rodgers, I think just naturally that's what's that's what's going to happen. So it's hard to even get a full a full like report card on him until we see him with another quarterback. He he came into that Packers job with that being his job. You know what I mean? Of like. Don't rock the boat too much with Aaron. Build around him. Provide some balance. We're going to continue to ride Aaron for as long as he's great. Um, like, what What exactly do you do with that? Other than, like, cause a ruckus, go crazy, beat Josh McDaniels in year one, and get Aaron Rodgers traded like he did the Jay Cutler. Like, like, McDaniels did Jay Cutler. Like, what? You know what I mean? Like your, your hands are almost tied in that scenario where it's hard for me to ge- get too high on him, but it's also hard for me to be too low on him as well because I think give, given the, the cards he was dealt, he's done a solid job. Okay. Disagree a little bit on the solid job, but that's okay. Um, 14 for me, I have, uh, I have Mike McDaniel and, um, listen, I, I, I understand what you're saying in regards to nine and eight being, a, being a failure. I do, uh, obviously trading for Tyreek Hill, better payoff. And it did. I mean, it, it really, really did. It paid off almost better than you and I could have ever predicted. And, and pretty much anybody could have really thought how Tyreek Hill would do in that offense. Um, I think the way that Tua was playing, granted, it was a little, you know, overblown at times. You and I talked about that throughout the year. Um, I think he got a lot of credit that he didn't necessarily deserve in terms of where he was putting the ball, in terms of his accuracy, things like that. But whatever. He's still Mike McDaniel. I mean, that is the ceiling that Tua Tungavailoa can hit, and and Mike McDaniel was able to bring that level of play there. I'm not as concerned about the nine and eight stuff because of all the injuries that happened. Um, you know, I, I think Teddy Bridgewater has always sort of been a little overrated, in my opinion, in terms of the type of quarterback he is. Like even in his days in Minnesota before the injury, people were talking about him like he was a true franchise quarterback, and and he was always just sort of a a guide to me. Um, so I, I think he's a little overblown in that sense. You're working with a, a seventh round pick, you know, granted Brock Purdy was a little bit better. And that's why uh, Kyle Shanahan's a little higher, a little higher on my list uh, than, than our guy, Mike. But um, I don't know, man, like there's just something about him. That's just fun. Like he's just like, seems like a fun guy to hang out with. <laughs> uh, he's, he brings some personality to the NFL coaches that I think we we desperately need. Like, I'm thinking guys like Andy Reid, Nick Sirianni, like guys like that that aren't just your typical, 
Matt Eberflus or or Bill Belichick who just uh, we goal is to get better day by day. Like it's just like come on, man. Like be be yourself a little bit more. So I I, I put Mike a little bit higher on there because uh, I'm not mad at that. Just the job he did with Tua Tagovailoa, I think, should deserve does deserve a lot of credit because you and I thought I mean one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, and, and he made him he made him not that. He made him a Pro Bowler. So yep. I'm not mad at it. Uh, 14 for me, and, and 14 and above, to be honest, man, was really tough for me. Um, sure. But 14 for me was John Harbaugh, and I know that may seem a little bit low, but I, it's that that team has just been blah for the last couple of years. And I know Lamar's dealt with injury, but even like last year when Lamar was playing, he did not look that good. And I don't think it was like just him. It, it just seems like, you know, I don't know if it's, Harbaugh, I don't know if it's Greg Roman. I don't know what. There's something not meshing there, but ultimately the buck stops coaching-wise with the head coach. Um, yeah. And that team has just been, again, like they've won maybe more than you would think just by watching them, but even just like the eye test, they are ugly to watch. It's, it's ugly football. It's not fun. Um, but maybe in a different place, if you know, maybe he leaves after a year or two, him as the coach, I would rank him... <laughs> He'd probably be in my top five, to be honest. I, I love him as a coach, but yeah. that just situation right now is not conducive to being any higher than where I have him. Uh, so John Harbaugh is 14 for me. Okay. Uh, 13 for me is Mike Rabel. A lot of the reasons you talked about, um, the team is kind of in shambles right now. There's just questions everywhere. Quarterback, how much longer can Derrick Henry play? The entire offense is Derrick Henry. You have Robert Woods tweeting out, finally free, like he's fucking Antonio Brown. Uh, like that, that made me laugh because I'm just like, come on, Robert. What, 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 what are we talking about here? You, you're not, um, not enough. I shouldn't say that. That's that's mean. But uh, fantasy-wise, you didn't contribute a whole lot. But Mike Frabel, he's a good coach. Um, you know, I I, I I don't know what else to say. You, you know how I felt about Mike Frabel for some for some time. I, I don't want to put him too high, but I, I can't put him too low. Um, he made things work with pieces that I just didn't really understand how they they worked. And, and he does a good job. I, I can't fault him for it. So curious to see how that Titans team continues to build and, and rebuild and what they do a quarterback because uh, Mike, Mike uh, Malik Willis, I think, just offered a lot more questions and answers this year. So, uh, yeah, 13 for me, right. 13 for me, and woo. People, people are going to be pissed at this one, Jackie. Maybe uh, even including you. 13 for me was Sean McVay. Um, I've had a hard time with him. Part of me feels like he's very overrated. The other part feels to me like he's the offensive genius that people think he is. But... <laughs> Because he's had such, like, up and downs. Yeah. Going back to the Jared Goff days. First year with Jared Goff. Holy shit, this guy's unlocking the all the talent that Jared Goff has. All the arm talents there. And then in one season, after Vic Fangio figures him out, well, that's it. He's done. Jared Goff is done. Sean McVay is done. They sort of separate, you know. And then it's like, okay, he gets a better quarterback. Now we're seeing more sides of Sean McVay that we thought we had in year one with Jared Goff. Great. Uh, Matt Stafford gets hurt, and then it's immediately back to that. And it, I couldn't rank him any lower. He's too good to be ranked any lower than that. Two Super Bowl appearances, one Super Bowl win. Come on. Like, the success is there. I get it. But then you look at the total regime. 
they just build and build and build <laughs> nothing but superstars. And yeah. I'm not trying to devalue what he's brought. I think offensively, schematically, he's got something. But he's no fucking Kyle Shanahan. That like, And I think that's maybe why I pegged him down a little bit lower. I didn't peg him. I put him lower on the list. Is because I look at what Kyle Shanahan has done in, in a similar situation. And this guy just continues to fucking out-scheme everybody. You know what I mean? Like, And they're very similar. They're similarly touted. And a, a big part is like going into next year, a lot of it was, am I going to retire? Am I not? I really wasn't feeling it this last year. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm sort of all bought in. But then he was also talking about, and the last year he doesn't want to rebuild, but they're going to have, they're already talking about trading Jalen Ramsey for more draft picks and, or to get, to recoup some draft picks to actually build something. I'm unsteady with the Rams, dude. I, I, I he has done too much for that that team to be like fired mid-year, but this, it wouldn't shock me if there was a mutual parting of ways after next season. I'm not, I'm not going to yell at you because I have him, I have a little bit higher, but not, I thought it was ranking him too low. If I'm being honest with you, I'm, I'm, so that, that might be where we disagree a little bit. Uh, Number 12 is, uh, is Doug Peterson for me um, because, you know, Doug, Doug Peterson did a phenomenal job first year in Jacksonville. Um, absolutely everything Jacksonville fans could have hoped for. Yes, he struggled a little bit early on with with Trevor Lawrence, but you saw that. I mean, just Trevor Lawrence just ascended in, in such a spectacular way. Um, and I think Doug Peterson is in a really, really good situation for next year. I'm going to be honest with you. Jacksonville should be the absolute favorites to win that division outright again. They're, like, There's not even a team that's going to be close to them. Um, and I, I didn't want to put him super high because we saw how things sort of ended in Philadelphia, and I don't want to hold that too much against him. Um, but I also do want to be realistic, you know, about about sort of, you know, Doug Peterson had a good year. Let's not, you know, sugarcoat. He made it, you know, but he, he did win the AFC South, but he also only won nine games. So I, I don't want to get super high. He didn't, you know, win 13 games. He didn't just take, you know, have things take off. It didn't look great to start with. Things did play out a little bit better. Um, and I'm excited to see where things go. I think that that comeback that they had against the Chargers was was such a good learning experience, such a good first step for that team. Um, and he does absolutely deserve respect, uh, obviously winning a Super Bowl. I probably could have put him one step higher. Um, because I do think that he's actually better than this coach. I just think situation-wise, I, I couldn't put him too much higher um, based off the, the things that the next coach for me had done. Uh, who was 12 for you? 12 for me was Doug Peterson as well. Um, there you go. I don't think I can say anything more. I'm going to jump to my 11, and then we'll, we'll sort of go yeah. that way. Um, yeah. 11 for me was Dan Campbell. Um, for a lot of the reasons that, that you talked about, man, and I, I was a little higher on him uh, earlier, um, than you were, but I mean, you talk about the culture that dude's building there with more picks to build. The biggest kicker with him that's really going to determine whether or not he's elite versus like the guy who can build something but you can't like get him over the top. They're going to have to move on from Jared Goff eventually and 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 try to get an elite quarterback because they built this thing. And, and it's not to say Jared Goff is bad; just we know he's not elite. I'm curious to see if that's going to be this draft. Or next draft, but it's it's gonna have to probably come through draft. Or if they, they make a move for Lamar, that that would be, you know, I, I haven't heard any rumors or anything. But you think about like total roster fits. I, I, I Lamar would fit that. I think great. Um, but what he's done with this team, with this roster, with that culture, 
has been phenomenal. Um, I mean, you know, I he, this is a preface to what I'm going to say. I'm a fucking crier. I cry. I love crying. I cry all the time. In movies, shows, I love it. Um, I watch a tribute to someone, you know, who, who passed away. You don't even fucking know, and I cry. I love crying. I think it's a great release. <laughs> but Danny Campbell is the only guy I've ever seen in my life who consistently gets up on that press, uh, you know, at press conferences, cries, and no one makes fun of him. And I think it's it's not just because he swole his shit or probably beats the shit out of anyone who makes fun of him, but it's because he's just so genuine. Like nothing, yeah. he. It's not like that rah rah, um, meathead type of thing. Because even when he sort of gets in that bag, it just feels like that's him. That's who he's not trying to project to be someone he's not. He just is. He's he just is him. I love yeah. it, dude. I, I I love it. I just love everything he brings to the table there. I hate that he's in our division because I think the Lions are about a move or two away from being legitimate Super Bowl contenders and like best team in this division. Because um, I just don't, I also don't have faith in Kirk Cousins at all, and I think what the Lions have built is is, is sort of greater than than quarterback at this point. But um, yeah, eleven was was Campbell for me. Who was your eleven? Eleven was uh, was Sean McDermott, and uh, he was kind of the guy I was alluding to that could probably argue oh, putting Doug Peterson yeah. over. Um, because you know Sean McDermott, I think I think I had him as a top five head coach last year, and uh, you, you everything you said about the Dolphins being a disappointment. I don't know how how you categorize this Bills season as anything other than a disappointment. I, I know Josh Allen was hurt. I understand that. But you just lost your defensive coordinator. Les Frazier decided to take sabbatical. Um, and the, the Bills, again, they're kind of in the same situation with the Cowboys. It's like, how, how do you get better? What area can you improve on? We've seen the Bills do this time and again. We've seen the flaws that they they have to just acknowledge, and they just refuse to do it with running the football. Him comment, him just commenting and, and saying that he believes in Gabe Davis as a as a wide receiver too. It's like it just seems like they're just going to run things back again, and you run it back to what you're going to lose in the playoffs again. Like I, I just don't. And again, I'm. He's losing the, to to very good teams, right? Like let's let's be very clear. But he can't be losing to the Bengals at home in a, in a game like that when you have all the advantages in the world. You can't you can't do that. So yeah, I, I have Sean McDermott outside of my top ten. That's that's shocking. Um, so ten for me, and honestly, these are going to be easier for me to because we're talking about really good coaches that at, at this point. Um, ten for me is Pete Carroll, and I know people are going to say. Well, you said the nine and eight for the Dolphins was a di- that. There's a that's the complete difference here is that he <laughs> went in, and with our expectations being whether they reel out Geno or Drew Locke, they may be the worst team in the league. And Pete being fucking Pete showed you who the problem was in Seattle. It was Russ. Let's just put it all out on the table. Pete Carroll did a phenomenal job last year. Uh, I mean, to a point where. You know, you 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 had your quarterback play well enough to keep him, but he's probably not going to command you know that that elite Daniel Jones money. You're going to have uh, elsewhere to uh, to build this team, and I mean, just oh, Pete, uh, he he's sort of the 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 staple of what you think about like culture. For as yeah. old as he is, his players fucking love him. Like they always say, like you would think he's thirty if you just like spoke to him on the phone with the energy that he brings. Um, so Pete was Pete. He was great. He was number ten for me. Who was your ten? Brian Dable was uh, was number ten for me. Um, a, you know, coach of the year. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. 
I have a feeling he's going to be a little bit higher on Frank's list, a little bit higher. Uh, I couldn't rank him higher than some of these coaches just based off of total kind of what they bring to the table, accolades, things like that. And there Don't were a qualify it now, Jack. Are, you put your nuts on the table and you tell me why you have Dable this low, you <laughs> son of a bitch. He, he won nine games. Like, did he even win nine games? I don't even know how many he fucking won. Like, he won, yeah, nine, seven, and one. What, what what do you want me to do with that? Yeah, you fucking won a playoff game against a fucking fraudulent Vikings team. Congratulations. Then he gets his fucking ass whooped in the next round. Don't fucking come to me and act like Brian Dable should be higher than some of these coaches on this list. I, I, I'm sorry. Like the guy? Wish he was the Bears head coach. I do. Because I, I, I think he's that good of a coach. Fucking getting Daniel Jones paid 45 mil. All right. <laughs> but come on. Come on, he won fucking nine games. Granted, the team was supposed to be terrible, and he got Saquon Barkley back to playing like an MVP candidate. That's awesome. And he had a sack of potatoes and Kenny Galladay making $90 million, Jack. (laughs) Dude, that contract. (laughs) (laughs) And they still find a better receiver than the Bears do, some fucking how. That's that's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, No, Brian Dable did a hell of a job. Um, Coach of the year, I I couldn't put him uh, any lower than the top 10, I think he's going to be a really good coach for a very long time. So um, very, very curious to see what he does moving forward. Absolutely. Same. Um, not Nine for me, Sean Payton. This is one that I know you did not rank. It, it's just hard for me to not think he's going to have success going in. When you look at, um, I, I think he's going to utilize Russ. He, he has experience with a short quarterback. Granted, I, I think Russ maybe has a better deep ball, but I think he's going to unlock a quicker, a, a quick game in Russ that we haven't seen before. Um, and give him more easy throws to make more sort of dink and dunk. But you look at like the other talent around, we've seen him work with similar talent before. I, I mean, body type-wise, prototype-wise, um, Mike Thomas and uh, and Cortland Sutton aren't very different. Big body receivers that you can get, you know, crossing routes, slant routes, jump balls in the end zone. Um, we know he knows how to run the ball. I, I mean, I, I think Sean Payton is, is set up for success here. Um I think the biggest thing that I really like, though, is that him just saying, like, oh, Russ has, like, personal trainers and things. No, no, no. We don't do that here. He, he'll, he'll work with our staff uh, and, like, sort of put it put it dead to that. So, like, he drew a clear line in the sand that the last guy did not, uh, which was obviously a fatal mistake to do. And I think regardless of him being able to, like, make Russell Wilson look elite, which I don't think he ever quite was, um, I think he's going to get way more out of him than the last regime did. Do you think Russell Wilson will have an open door policy for Sean Payton? Do you think he'll let him in his office? How fucking insane should, is that, dude? Do you think Russell Wilson took Sean Payton's office? Like he took Nathaniel Hackett's office when he got fired? He and might. Like, have. All right, this is my office. Listen, so someone wrote this on Reddit. I think it was, and it, it it made me laugh. But I really think do think there's truth to it. They were like Russell Wilson like does things. It's it seems this way. Like it seems like he does things because he thinks that's what's supposed to happen, but yeah, it doesn't really yeah. happen. And like, yeah. I was like, that is a really good fucking synopsis. Like it, it seems like he, he does thinks, things because he feels he like this is Tom what, Brady does high steps throughout yeah, the plane yeah. when actually Tom Brady's. Just it, it's like there's a movie script in his head where it's like, of course this would this would happen. Whoa, of course whoa, this whoa. is supposed to happen. Are you telling me you believe in the NFL script? Is that what you're telling me? I, I like Arian Foster. I don't think he lied to me. <laughs> me and me and Arian Foster have a lot in common. Demar Hamlin must have looked at that script one time and been like, "How much are you fucking paying me?" We'll talk about it. Um... 
Number nine for me is Sean McVay. Um, it's a little bit higher than you had him, obviously, but uh, for a lot of the reasons you had, I didn't want to, I, I dropped him quite a bit. Um, just based off everything you said, this team is a terrible future. Uh, Matt Stafford is a fucking neck injury. Uh, oh, that'll that'll get better for a 36 year old quarterback. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll age better. Yeah, I know. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure John Wofford, Wofford or whatever the fuck his name <laughs> will be able to play quarterback again. Oh, Cooper Cup? Yeah, he's 30 years old and has knee injury. I'm sure that'll age perfectly fine. They have no run game to work with. All of their offensive line is old. This team is is just not set up for success down the road. Do I still think they'll be good next year? I do, as long as Matt Stafford stays healthy. Um, and I still think Sean McVay is a good coach. Um there's just a lot of question marks, dude. Like, I'm, I'm sure I played a lot into it uh, for a lot of those players where they hear their coach talking about possibly retiring. And then next year, he's like, no, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll run it back. We'll, like, like, I'm sure that had to do something to that team. Like, you know, how much do you care? Like, how much do you really want to be here? That type of stuff. So they want to put him too low because he still has won a Super Bowl and still has all these accomplishments. Um, but I, I can't put him super high right now based off of the future of the Rams. So that's where I have him at number nine. Yep, we share the same sentiments. Uh, eight for me, Mike Tomlin. Um, wow. This may be the last year where Fucking I have disrespectful. him. This may be the last year that I have him in my top ten. Um, that's fucking disrespectful. Well, it's, I, dude, it's it's hard for me to not... It's been like two or three years now where wow. they, they scrape to get to 500 and like... This is the last year I can celebrate saying like, oh, he's never been under 500. Like, okay, dude, we get it. You can win eight games. You can win nine games. You can get a fucking, you can get a draw to go eight, eight and one. I, I totally understand that. He's got to develop Kenny Pickett. He's got to reel it the fuck in. Get, to, get back to the playoffs, Mikey. How about that, bub? And then maybe you'll be back in the top five. Why, why are we Why are we even harsher on our top 10 coaches? We were coddling the, the <laughs> 28. You know, I was just really think in a better situation, he could he could really do some things. But... No, because you're in the top 10. you got to fucking prove something, all right? That's why. Because everybody knows why they're in the top 10. You we got to give the River, little... Riverboat Ron has, has been about 500 his whole career, but God damn it, <laughs> if you just gave him a, a, a solid cornerback, solid slot corner, I really believe in that guy. And here we are just trashing top 10 head coaches. These, these guys, these guys, and you know what? People know why they're in the top 10. We got to give the reasons why they're lower than. Yeah, not, knock them down a peg or two. Knock them fucking down. All right. Number eight for me, Pete Carroll, highest riser for me. 24 to 8 in one fucking year because <laughs> I was fucking wrong. I was completely wrong about Pete Jackie, Carroll. you were on that horse heavy too. My man. You were talking shit fucking- about my boy Pete. He fucking took Geno goddamn Smith to the playoff. That that's fu- that's fucking that that's crazy. That's crazy to me. That's absolutely Pete Carroll deserves all the goddamn credit. You're absolutely right. You I I I've not been the biggest fan. You know this. I've not I was not the biggest fan of of Russell Wilson either. Um, but I did not not like him as much as you did. Um, but man, G- Geno Smith fucking balled out. That that DK Smith, uh, D, you know, like you got DK Metcalf, just doing DK, like nothing took a step fucking back. Nothing yeah. took a step back last year for the Seahawks. They played better. That's fucking crazy to me. He deserves all the goddamn credit in the world. He's a good coach. 
I, I don't know how much better this team will be if they, you know, if if they stick with Geno Smith. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, Frank. I think that was probably his career year, right? Like, he's not going to have a better year than he did last year. I just, I, I, I don't see how that happens. Um, but I mean, it was a well-coached team. I, 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 yeah. I don't know what else to say. That was just a, it was, a, it was a hell of a job. So number Agreed. eight, Pete Carroll. Um, seven for me. I really don't have a deep dive here because I, I don't always know like schematically what he brings because he's certainly not like a Kyle Shanahan. But seven for me was Zach Taylor. But it's really getting hard to ignore the success that he's had with the Bengals, man. We went on I, a couple years ago when we started this exercise. He was very low on my list. But then we, yeah. I also like my sentiment was like it's also unfair. Like he came into such a bad situation. Let's let him build. He's fucking built, dude. And, and, and they continue to win. They made it to a Super Bowl. They made it to an AFC Championship back-to-back years. I know people are going to say Joe Burrow and this and that, but there have been times in, in the playoffs that offense has not looked great, and that defense had to step up. They find different ways to win. Some some days, you know, they have uh, mixing running for five touchdowns. Other times, they got Joe Joey B tossing for six of them. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's a really good coach. I don't know necessarily if he brings anything schematic-wise that gives you an advantage, but he certainly doesn't hurt them, I don't think, in any area outside of maybe clock management. But it's hard to hold that against anyone because it seems like everyone fucking sucks at time management to a point where I'm telling you, in 10 years, there's going to be a specific coach that's only there for situational awareness. Because I don't think it's these guys' fault. I don't think it's, oh, shit, like, I just don't know the rules. There's so much happening on an NFL sideline <laughs> and in the game that they just, it, like, takes the backseat a lot of the times. Um Zach Taylor, number seven for me. So this is where our, our podcast gets canceled. Uh, this specific episode, people cancel us and, and you know unsubscribe and, and block us and all that good stuff. Uh, number seven for me is Bill Belichick. Um, Jesus again, fucking Christ, Jack. Come on, come on, come on, come on. It's why I prefaced this podcast, this episode, by saying... This is strictly going into next season. That's how I ranked them. Here you That's go, qualifying and Jack. Put those nuts on the table and tell us why Bill B sucks. For the last four years, he's lost two fucking playoff games. He hasn't won a Super Bowl, hasn't won a playoff game since 2018. You know, like he, the last three years, he's finished third in the division, second in the division, and third in the division. The one time he's made the playoffs and since uh, since 2019, he lost to the Bills 47-17. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, he doesn't draft well. He's in charge of everything. He's fucking rotating his quarterbacks by fucking play. Like, I, I just, I, I'm sorry. The game has passed you up, Bill. I think it's oh, time to hang him up. Wow. Jesus Christ, time. Jack. No, Frank, be real with me, man. Like, do you feel confident that New England is going to be better than the Miami Dolphins or fuck man they may be the worst team in the division next year depending on what the Jets do at quarterback He still I mean, owns I'm, the Jets. I'm, he still owns the I'm, Jets. I'm I'm being I'm being 100% honest right now. Like literally just I I'm not talking full scale overarching career. Yes, obviously Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. But the last few years have not yeah. been great. No, yeah, they I'm haven't sure. been great. He yeah, hasn't sure. done anything. So I, everybody thought, you know, him and Tom Brady, they can, they can live, you know, they can live exclusively. We thought about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. We thought they would be the opposite of Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. We thought Pat, you know, thought Tyreek Hill might struggle a little bit. 
without Patrick Mahomes. We thought Tom Brady and Bill Belichick would be fine without each other. Tom Brady was. Tom Brady was. He was fine without Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, 7-9, and 10-7, getting trounced by the Bills, 47-17 in the playoffs, 8-9. I'm sorry. I just I just don't see the path forward for the Bills or for for the for the Patriots, especially again when they don't draft well. They yep. don't, they just don't draft well. There, there's yep. nothing on this team that's granted. He's a very good head coach still. That's why I still have him in the top seven because he coaches up these terrible draft picks to be pretty good players. Yeah, but but there's um, just outside of that, I, I, there's just nothing. There's just nothing right now. We'll get. We'll get to Bill here in a minute. Six for maybe Sean McDermott. I feel the same way about him as you did. Oh, wow. That's a pretty big difference yeah, between it, the two of us. It, it was, but it's still hard for me to ignore the team success that they have had. I, I, granted, I, the, the teams that they're losing to, I think, are better teams than, than them. Um, he's developed Josh Allen these last few years. He's built something there. I, I've started to lean more towards it. Josh hitting a ceiling versus McDermott hitting a ceiling. I want to see how he adjusts this year. Maybe run the ball a little bit more. They need to focus more on defense. That defense does not show up when they need to. Um, so I, I didn't have a, a big deep dive there. Um, who was your who was your six? Six for me was John Harbaugh. Um, it's a huge I difference st- for us. Holy shit! I had him at fourteen. <laughs> I still think he's a. I still think he's a very good head coach. The fact that he was able to get this team any kind of success, like you remember throughout the year, we'd be like, "How the fuck are the Ravens like still like?" Five games over 500. Didn't Tyler Huntley Lamar make the Pro Bowl? Out. Yeah, he did. And, I mean, somehow, some fucking way, Tyler Huntley was Pro Bowl. And, like, you think about, like, the Ravens pieces, like, offensively. Like, they're, all of their wide receivers were hurt. Fucking all of their running backs were hurt. J.K. Dobbins didn't come in until, like, the very end of the year. Like, the fact that John Harbaugh was still – was basically able to drag that corpse of a team to any sort of success, I think says a lot about him. Um, I didn't want to put him super high. Um, I do think the Ravens versus the, the the Patriots do have a better outlook, depending on what happens with Lamar Jackson. I still find it very hard to see him leaving. Um, but I don't know, man. Like he he kind of shows you that he can sort of build a team the best with anyone and can coach with the best of uh, with the best of them. So I understand what you're saying. I, I agree that sort of lately they've kind of just sort of been kind of just the team that's sort of going through the status quo. Um, they're definitely not better than the Bengals, but I do still think John Harbaugh is a very good head coach. Meh. Number five for me, Jack. Billy B. Okay. Uh, the, 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 he's the not reason, even much higher. He's not, he, even he, much. he's not, but seven is just fucking disrespectful. Listen to me. The reason why I knocked him down, it, it's less about like, the winning and losing, what you brought up, that's there. there's merit there. there there's there's logic there, um, and I agree with it. But it's it's so hard to separate. Like, if he had an actual GM that drafted, that maybe he only had input on, but not the final say, he coaches the pieces up so well, like you said. But he's also the fucking guy drafting these guys, and he's making mistakes while doing it. Like, so it's, but, so how, how do you balance of, like, Man, he really didn't have much talent around, but goddamn, he's still getting seven wins. He's still getting ten wins out of this team. Well, who's the one that's bringing in the talent? It's Bill Belichick. Um, but just like you said, he he's the goat. If you're talking about all time, I mean, he, it's we're we're trying to isolate it to a smaller amount of time so our list had these discrepancies. Because if it didn't, 
it would look the same as everyone else's list, probably. Um, Bill B, number five for me. Who was your number five? Zach Taylor was number five uh, for a lot of the reasons that you said. Um, it's it's hard to ignore the success he's had in Cincinnati. You're, you're absolutely right. A couple years ago, we had him, I think, on the hot seat because uh, just the way that the things were going, and then they fucking lucked into the one of the greatest quarterbacks of, of, of all time, apparently, in Joe Burrow. I just, I just love Joe Burrow, but, like, think about the offense. Like, the – the fact that he goes in to Buffalo in that situation and just and, and just wins, like it's it's really damn impressive, man. Like it's it's one of those things where you can kind of clearly see the difference between it being just the success of Joe Burrow versus the team, the success of Zach Taylor as the head coach. I just I, I like the way the team talks about him. I like just you see some of the we talk about coaches being real. He's going out to bars after after playoff games and giving out trophies to, to like the like he's inserted himself into Cincinnati. I think that's so cool. Um, and I, I just I, I really like how that team's going right now. Um, also, you need to settle down back there. You're talking about fucking pegging people. And, and yet you're going to come me about that. All right. Settle the fuck. <laughs> what else did you say? <laughs> You said something else. You said something else. I can't remember what it was. I'll you didn't fucking later. skip a beat there, man. Zach, you heard oh. it here first on the Bear With Us podcast. Zach Taylor has inserted himself into <laughs> in, Cincinnati. Into the city of Cincinnati. He's he's planted his flag, right? And he's coming to bring them championships. <laughs> um, Is it my turn right now, Jack? I think so. Number four. <laughs> you got number four. Here's the fucking thing. Okay, you're talking about the guy, the architect of what we knew to the Buffalo Bills offense. The guy that four, the guy, the guy that the guy that we said, if it was up to us, he would be the Bears head coach. We were so high on this guy. We couldn't be any higher. I don't I I don't think we hit, you know, it, it, it was one of those things where. Is, is like Macho Man. We're going to the stratosphere. We're going to the ionosphere. We were in the ionosphere, Jack. Okay? And you're going to sit here and tell me the guy who fucking earned Daniel Jones $45 million is number 10 on your list? The guy wearing a $35,000 suit has to, <laughs> has, to look, has to look up and see the likes of Zach Taylor and, and whoever else you had above him? Are you kidding me? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Listen, Jackie, I, in all seriousness, this might be a little bit high, but... Uh, you, you think? <laughs> no, but I, I, I the, the reason the why... I, 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 games. I, you give me shit about putting Bill Belichick down at seven, and you're going to tell me that you have Bill Belichick lower dude, than Brian Dable. Who, who else in the league with this talent could have won a playoff game with this team. I, I, I'm being honest. I don't know if I've seen in my lifetime a more impressive um, coaching, especially for your first year. I, I, I have not seen someone do what he has done with that deprived of, a, uh, of talent. Matt Nagy, 2018. Come on. That team, was fucking, that team was stacked on defense. I mean, come on, man. Like, <laughs> table at four. Table at four, baby. <laughs> All right, I got Mike Tomlin at number four. I know you're going to disagree with me. That's fine. 
That's fine. I love I love Mason Mike Tomlin. I love a coach who never loses in a goddamn season. I think that's fucking incredible. But at what point? I know I, I agree. I, I know. Love it, but I, I, I'm curious. Listen, no, listen. I, 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 I want to ask you the question though. Comment. I was going to comment on that. I was going to comment on that. Okay, good, this, good, this good. Is, this 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 is the year. This is the year. Enough with the fucking excuses. Ben has been old for for fucking four seasons in Pittsburgh. That's that's the excuse that well Ben's old. Ben's old. Ben's old. They never did anything about it. They didn't do jack shit about it. They bring in, they bring in Trubisky and they draft the best. They draft the best quarterback in the draft, hands down. Excuses are done because you can't keep. What what do you what is the excuse next year? If they don't if that offense doesn't play better. He he doesn't make changes to his staff. He believes in his guys, and that's good. But the, the excuses. This is it. I still think Mike Tomlin is, is one of the best coaches in the game. Like, come on, man. Like, that team was fucking dead in the water at the beginning of the season. They were dead. And he still fucking doesn't lose in a season. It's, 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 it's incredible. It, it, what he does is able to do with through injuries, through bad talent, things like that. I still think he's one of the best coaches in the league. And uh, But I do agree with you that. And and that might be a little bit higher. I actually struggle with the spot at number four. I didn't want to put Zach Taylor too high. I didn't think number four fit. But as I sort of started going through my list, I, I couldn't really make an argument for some of these guys to be above Zach Taylor. And the only one that really fit to me was Mike Tomlin, just given what he's done in the past, what I think he can do with this team moving forward. So that's sort of how I I, I just I had to put someone at four. And I didn't think I could make it work for Zach Taylor. I didn't think that fit right. So that that's sort of the mind the the process. But I do agree with you. The at, at, this is sort of the last like. All right, Mike. It's it's great that you won another eight games. It's great that you won another nine games here. What are you gonna do next? When are you gonna win a playoff game? You know so. That's that's why I went. With Mike. Yeah, you had to put someone at forward. It's not like Bill Belichick was out there. Listen, number three for me. Bill is um, done. The game has passed him by. How much clearer do I need to make myself? Listen, he's 100 years old, man. Sometimes the game just passes you up. All right? It, number I, I'm, being, I'm being dead serious, by the way. I, th- I feel like you think I'm joking about this. Bill, yes, he wins games, but dude, like, Bill has not adjusted. He's still drafting like it's fucking 1990. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious to see... I don't know what the fuck. To me, last year was less about his coaching and more about his coaching structure. That was the weirdest shit. I don't know what. And hold on, that's that's something I didn't even fucking bring up. He absolutely deserves. Uh, he deserves blame for that. Oh yeah, he I agree. Fucking put a defensive coordinator as his fucking. Nobody knew who was running the offense. And it could and it shot because that. Team well, now they hired. Uh, why am I blanking on who they hired for their OC? Um. Was the Texans for a little bit? What the fuck is his name? Brian, Bill O'Brien. Yes, Bill O'Brien, who, very good play caller. Um, number three for me, I, like three, two, and one, I, I don't feel the need to like go super in depth. Number three was Nick Sirianni. I mean, what he's built there, what he's gotten out of. Let's let's just wrap this up because I have the same three, two, one for you. Exactly. Sirianni, Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan Andy, Andy Reid. Yes. I, it, like, yeah. what more do we really have to say? Do we <laughs> have to soon, go in depth there? As soon as you said three. Yeah, as soon as you said three, yeah, I was like, All it right, was because because the thing was, <laughs> Reed was my number one as soon as the exercise started. My only debate was, who um, is do do I feel do I feel like Sirianni has passed up Shanahan 
Not quite yet. But it's not it's not honestly Nick Sirianni's fault. Like what Kyle Shannon has had to deal with with injuries at quarterback has been fucking yeah. astounding. And the fact that he his offense continues to be the same is crazy talk. Like it, it's yeah. insane what he's able to do. I swear to God, he could put me out there, train me for a week, and I could put up 300 yards. I'm 5'8 and 160 pounds, Jack. He could do that with me. I I, I promise you. And it has nothing to do with me. Um, that was really the only decision I had to make. But yeah, th- th- those are, are are the three. And and to be to be quite honest, Jack, if we're talking about like tearing things off, those three right now to me are are S tier. You 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 put a few enter spaces between three and then four and then the rest of the list. I have nothing to add. Um, Andy Reid, obviously the best coach in the league right now. It's not even close. Jackie, Jackie, at what point? Bill B right is is the goat. Let's just, even like talking of our generation, our lives. Does Andy Reid have a shot to, to to pass him up if he coaches for another ten years? If he wins maybe another <laughs> if, Super Bowl or two? Uh he he would need to he would need to get to six. Oh, you think yeah, he has to get to the six? He, he, yeah. Even even with the even with the success with the Eagles, though, four four NFC championships, one Super Bowl appearance, it has to be the 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 ring. That's how I would argue it. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, he, he got but to he, the NFC Championship, but he didn't win a the, Super Bowl. He's the clear-cut number two, right, of yeah. this? Yeah. yeah. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's not anything bad. But, uh, no, I, I agree about everything you said about Nick Sirianni and Kyle Shanahan. Um, Shanahan, to me, has just been able to prove a little bit more over time. That's nothing against Nick Sirianni. Uh, obviously, his quarterback history. has. I mean, C.J. Bathard, you know, those types of guys. Like, he's still – he. Best seventh round, best Mr. Irrelevant pick of all time. Like that type of stuff carries over. Yeah. So, I don't, and I again, don't know like, but, but that's the thing though. Like if you ask Sirianni, if we, if we had him on the podcast and we said, we have you at number three, you know, Andy Reid's number one, forget the ego stuff. You know, he's number one right now, but would you even want, like, if you had to prove to, to, to leap him at number two, would you want Jalen Hurts to get hurt? And you have to prove <laughs> to do this with a second and th- he would tell you, fuck no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know what I mean? To, like, uh, well, that depends. If I'm asking him, are you trying to get ahead in the uh, Bear With Us podcast coach rankings? I think he might say yes. Well, he, he you're, you're right. That's he a might. prestigious but, award. But it is. But you get what I'm saying, though. He like I do. He, he would I do. be like, no, like, spare me that. Like, I, I don't want to ever have to prove, like, why would I want that when I have an I, absolute stud at quarterback? Yeah. yeah. But, like, the reason why I say that is because that's why Shanahan, to me, is solidified number yeah. two right now. Because... Those circumstances are insane for him to continue to succeed in. And it's not just that. He's also been to a Super Bowl, just like Nick Sirianni. So he sort of, they match up that way as well. But Jack, it's it's also not, it's not, oh, they're a really good coach team. It's not not what we said about Pete Carroll. Super good coach, above average to average quarterback. He brought out more than anyone else did. He's, his teams are still elite his team was a yep. Super Bowl contender before yet another injury happened to quarterbacks. Like, that's crazy. I don't think people, yeah. if you're underrating what this dude is doing, you're missing out because he is a genius at what he does. I agree. And we're geniuses at what we do, and everything on this list is absolutely correct. And uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us for a very extended episode of the Bear With Us podcast. I think it's uh a little bit longer than Frank and I expected it to, but we had a lot to talk about. We had 32 head coaches to get through, and for some reason, we decided to spend 15 minutes on each one. But uh, listen, I had fun. We appreciate. Yeah, I had fun too. We hope you guys had fun listening. Uh, obviously, let us know who your 
top 32 coaches are, your top 10, where Bill Belichick ranks, where Mike Tomlin should be, who your number one head coach is. Maybe it's not Andy Reid. I'd be curious to see who you know, guys might have. Uh, but hopefully Matt Eberflus can rise in the rankings for next year. Hopefully he's, you know, top five. Probably not, but we'll see. Uh, but we appreciate you guys listening as always. Until next week, we will talk to you then. Later, Frankie. Later, Jackie. Later, everybody. Everybody love everybody!